Jay Crawford, Adam the Bull, Garrett Bush, and so many big names, it would take me hours to say all of their names. The ultimate Cleveland sports show. Booyah! And here we are. G. Bush was supposed to come off the injured list. He was at his, on his rehab assignment, and he got pulled back. He had a setback, and so he's gone. Earl is in for him today. What's up? Earl? How you feel? I'm feeling good. How are you feeling? It's football day. The Browns is back. Football is back. The Browns are not back. I don't give a damn if it don't count. It don't count. It's football. Football is back, baby. We can't treat it the same Here as the regular go, season. Here we go, Brownies. Here we go. You, you, see, you ready to watch Hassan Hall carry the ball <laughs> Do you tonight? care if they win tonight? No. Okay. I care if they come about this thing healthy. I thought for sure you were going to say yes. No, I just care if they come <laughs> out this thing healthy. Yeah. Uh, stop telling me it's the season has started. It hasn't. All right? If you play this game and never play in the regular season, you didn't play in the NFL. That's a fact. You still be excited, the and then people get mad at me on Twitter, like, "Why can't we get excited, Bull? Why do you have to be a?" Because I say I don't give a shit about the preseason. It means you can't get excited. If your mood is affected by what I say, you've got bigger problems than that. Jason, you're here. Can you put, your, can you put your Instagram? Oh my down god! Long enough I to cannot do a show? stop watching Instagram. I almost <laughs> threw up. I, I, I'm going to be. Clo- I came this close to shitting myself. <laughs> I came this close to dropping a deuce in my pants two minutes before the show. I, I, was I thought so you were going to die. I'm like, well, we're, we're, we're already, <laughs> we're already, we're already down one. Like, there's I'm, nobody left. I'm watching these Instagram videos. I can't get enough. Some of these videos are so funny. And Jason's like, oh, I saw that one that's old. I, I, but I hadn't seen it, so it's funny. Oh, man. Bull wound up on fat girl Instagram uh, It's all these fat people. It wasn't just girls. There was some fat guys, too. And, like, as a fat guy, I would, you know. Appreciate not wanting to be embarrassed. It was. Oh, by the way, I'll tell you. You know, because I was watching all these videos of like fat people getting effed up, and I had an. I even t- mentioned this before. I had an embarrassing experience. Not necessarily because I was fat. It could have happened to anybody, but it happened to me, and it was embarrassing. We were at uh, watching during the Little League playoffs. We were watching a game. Our team had been eliminated. We we're watching a game, and we're sitting at the end of the stands, and one of the the wooden slats for the stands that you sit on extended a little longer than the others. And I was walking to go to the concession stand and I rammed right into that piece, fell down. Took a digger. Oh my God. <laughs> it was so embarrassing. It hurt like a mother. But that was embarrassing. I guess a skinny person could have done that too, but uh, we don't know. Anyway, a lot to get to today. The Hall of Fame game is tonight. Great Hall of Famers will be playing in this game tonight. No, no Hall of Famers. I guess it's possible. I wonder how many actual Hall of Famers have played in the Hall of Fame. Well, Zach Wilson's playing tonight. Yeah, he's not going to be a Hall of Famer. Eh, you don't I think know. It's a safe bet. <laughs> it's early. It's Zach Wilson and Kellen Mond. But what was there just a point spread on there? Yeah, Earl, did you put? Yeah, Earl, yeah. Did a point, point spread on there. It, it is amazing. Like you have to be. You're if you bet on preseason. You are a high-level degenerate if you bet on preseason. How do they even come up with the lines? I got to ask my guys at Bet Rivers how they come up with the lines for preseason games. Like, how do you even figure that out? Is, is it that Zach Wilson's better than Kellen Mond? I don't know. Is it concerning that the Jets are favored? Is that a problem? <laughs> Why the Jets are like? Just... I mean, the Jets to me are very similar to the Browns in that. I think they're the two most likely teams that were under 500 last year in the AFC to make the playoffs. One of them is going to be massively disappointing this year. Agreed. I don't Maybe know which both. one. Maybe both. If I you think had to bet on Browns, Jets, both making the playoffs or both not making the playoffs, what would you bet? Well, as stacked as the AFC is, I think you'd have to bet not. I don't think that's the case, but I'd have. To, I think you'd have to bet that they wouldn't make Earl? the playoffs. I would bet that they would. I think these are two talented teams. I think that these teams are ready to take the next step. I would bet that they would. There's so much change from the NFL year to year. So. I'm leaning towards putting the Browns and Jets as the six and seven seed in the AFC. At this moment, I'm not ready to make official predictions yet, but at yeah. this moment, I'm leaning towards the Browns and the Jets as the six and seven seed knocking out the Dolphins and Ravens from last year. I think one of them makes the playoffs and one of them doesn't. Yeah. One's in, one's out. But I think they're both in the same boat. There's they a, are. There's a lot of expectations. They could be 6-11. and 11, They could yeah. be 11-6. and six. I don't right. think either and, one would and re- it's, really it's be that It's weird. Surprising. Like, 
there's, there's both some unknown for the quarterback. Sean Watson's first full year with the Browns. Aaron Rodgers is obviously his first year period. You know, Aaron Rodgers is obviously more proven than Watson, but Aaron Rodgers is old. Yeah. He's going to turn, what, 40 this year or 39? 39, 39. So does he have one great year left? Tyvis says he thinks he does. You know, Tom Brady, his last year with New England, seemed to be on the decline, and then his first couple of years in Tampa Bay was fantastic. Uh, whereas Deshaun Watson's coming off a year where he didn't play well, but only six games, didn't play the year before. So there's it, it all comes down to the quarterbacks. If Deshaun Watson and Aaron Rodgers both play up to their capabilities, then both of those teams should be in the playoffs. And if they don't, then neither team will. Because right. in the AFC, you're not getting anywhere with bad quarterback play. No. You can you could sneak into the playoffs in the NFC if you got a great running game and a, a really good defense, and maybe you're getting subpar quarterback play. You can't get to the playoffs in the AFC with sub subpar quarterback play. That's yeah. not happening. Yeah. It's just too t- deep and too talented in the AFC. Anthony, what's going on? Yeah, guys, before we get into tonight's game, I just want to remind everybody that for $4.99 a month, you can become a member of Ultimate Cleveland Sports Show. You get overtime. You get some benefits at the Cleveland uh, Clothing Company. And today's overtime is going to be how demoralizing is it that Rosario and Bell had a great outing last night for both of their new two teams. And then without further ado, we can get in to the first game preview tonight for the Hall of Fame game. All right, Jason, start us off. What do you what do you got your eye on for tonight's Hall of Fame game? The clock. <laughs> okay, besides the clock. <laughs> I mean, is it some of the Come rookies? on, Jason. <laughs> is it is it some guys battling for roster spots? Do you have your eye on anything tonight? No, yeah. not I mean DTR actually in the second half. I'm curious to see, you know, this is the backup quarterback of the future, right. allegedly. And, you know, Kellen Mond's gonna get the start tonight. But mine, more than likely, is not going to be on this team going forward. Probably not. It's going to be, you know, obviously Deshaun, Dobbs, and, and, DT, and uh, Dorian. So I want to see him. You know, he's got a similar skill set to Deshaun. That's kind of why they took him. And I guess just overall, like, even though it's not going to be the starting offense and Deshaun out there, there's still going to be, I believe, it's going to be the offense. It's going to be that offense. It's going to be a lot of pre-snap motion. It's going to be a lot of rollouts. It's going to be you know, some different formations of what we've seen before. So even though it's not the players that you're going to see this year, I do think it, you're going to at least be able to get a little bit of a glimpse of what this offense is going to look like because they're going to be running those same plays. Earl, how about you? I think for me, is uh, I'm really excited to see Cedric Tillman. I know Cedric Tillman is a rookie and not much is expected of him, but we do notice that the NFL and we know an injury can happen just like that. And so just to see him get his feet wet, just to see him get acclimated being on an NFL field, um, I'm interested to see what he'll do out there because there might come a point in time in the season to where he is asked to contribute. We know how important a wide receiver position is in today's NFL, and we know guys go down and they get hurt all the time. Boy, me and you were two people who felt like the Browns should have went after DeAndre Hopkins. I think you kind of felt the same way. And so, you know, Amari Cooper has already dealt with a tweak. You know, injury is unknown. You know, we, we probably won't have Marquise Goodwin for this year. And so just, just looking at things like that, if Cedric Tillman can show something, you know, maybe we can get a bigger return on investment sooner than what we thought. So I'm with you on Tillman. I do think when you watch the preseason, the preseason for us, the viewer, the fan, um, is, is, is pretty meaningless because a guy playing well – in these games, especially a game like this where there's no starters playing and even a lot of second, you know, even even second uh, backup players who are who are locks for the roster probably aren't playing much in a game like this, if at all. And so if a Cedric Tillman went off for a big game, you know we'll have fans that will overreact to that. Mm-hmm. And, and that's something you just got to be careful with. I will say that I am curious not only about Cedric Tillman, but... The wide receiver room in general, I want to see how those guys are running routes. I want to see how they're used in this game. Like, who is in the starting group tonight at wide receiver? What does that mean in terms of – Anthony Schwartz. Right. It's an opportunity to make some plays that you can't necessarily translate to the regular season but may translate into a spot on the roster. As far as Cedric Tillman playing, I mean – I don't, I don't think it has anything to do with injuries. He's going to be a part of this offense. At very least, I expect him to be their fourth wide receiver. And the fourth wide receiver gets opportunities. Yeah, Not true. just if there's injuries. Because, again, we went back to this yesterday. 
Uh, Elijah Moore and Donovan Peoples-Jones, they're not like studs. They, they, you, Donovan Peoples-Jones, you know, he's a good, solid third wide receiver. We're hoping Elijah Moore can turn into a number two. He hasn't shown that yet. I, I think Cedric, you drafted Cedric Tillman in the third round. I don't think they drafted him to sit the bench as a rookie. No. He's going to play. Somebody's going to emerge as that fourth, yes. whether it's Tillman or somebody else. There's a lot of opportunities. Right, he has an opportunity, and if he plays well, if he shows them something between camp and the preseason, then he's going to get more opportunity. Nobody has, nobody in this wide receiving core has established enough that Cedric Tillman couldn't get some playing time. Even as a fourth receiver, you're going to play. Yeah. And and I guess he's battling for that fourth receiver spot with you know David with Bell and uh, I guess Anthony Schwartz and some of these other undrafted guys. Who was it that somebody mentioned yesterday? Dalen Thompson or uh, what's his name? Darden. The guy. Jalen Darden's one yeah, of them. Yeah, Jalen Darden is one of them. No, I, I get Bull's point, but I think you yeah. know he's definitely helped himself. That that's been clear. You know, he's had a solid camp so far. If you if you listen to people who's been following the team closely, and then circumstances has created opportunity for him. So I definitely think he'll compete. But I think that when we look at the tight end group, to me, I think we have to just consider them all as just a pass catching unit. When you look at a guy like Atkins, I've heard Mary Kay talk about that this is a this is a tight end who kind of lines up at wide receiver a lot. A guy that can play like a wide receiver. We know what David Njoku is. We know what Harrison Bryant is. So I do think it'll be opportunities there for Cedric Tillman. But I do think just the pass catching unit as a whole, I think that he has a lot of a lot of weapons to throw to. So, um, but you know, Cedric Tillman could. I felt like they drafted him to be Donovan Peoples Jones replacement, possibly. You know, that, that could be very true. I think when yeah. he was drafted, we all said that. And so just knowing that, just, just to see him get out there, you know, and be able to do his thing. I know he, he made a pretty good highlight play uh, the first day back in Berea the other day that made fans go crazy. So it'd be interesting. A guy like Anthony Schwartz, you know, boy, I know you say, like, if a guy goes crazy, you know, you have to understand the competition that's out there. But you yeah. can only play who's put in front of you. That's right. You know what I mean? And it's and, an opportunity for them. And it's an opportunity for them. Yeah. We've seen other guys for the Cleveland Browns in the past they used the preseason to make this roster, and then we seen them actually have some success. It wasn't much with a guy like Isaiah Crowell, you know, who, who, sure. who, who balled his ass off in the preseason. Or Josh Chris, for example, way back when. So you got to play who's in front of you and just take advantage of the opportunity. A guy like Anthony Schwartz, I think he needs this. You know, Jason, you say he'll probably be out there starting. Maybe it's him and Cedric Tillman starting. I, I don't know if Donovan Peoples-Jones is going to play or not. But yeah, I so if it. it's, if it's him and Tillman, you know, those two young men got an opportunity to just, just show the coaches and the scouts and, and Andrew Barry something. It'd be nice to see a young Browns receiver contribute right away. I mean, like, we almost have never seen that outside of Josh Gordon. Like, and, and, and probably Tillman's not going to get an opportunity to be a starter, right? Because there's three guys ahead of him on the depth chart. So he probably won't have much of an opportunity to put up any kind of big numbers. Mm-hmm. But the Browns have not really had a wide receiver make an impact as a rookie. Right. I think there's a difference. You don't want him being a big contributor right away because that means something went terribly wrong. <laughs> Somebody got hurt. Amari, well, I look Amari. at it as he's so good we can't keep him out of the lineup. Yeah. I mean, to your point, yeah. you'd like to see these guys get on the field and yes. make and make make a first down catch and right. move the chains. Make a big third down catch. We haven't seen that from Anthony Schwartz or David Bell or any of these right. other younger receivers. You know, the, but the truth is, Jason, that when the year that Nick Chubb was a rookie – what was that, 2017? 2018. 2018. Remember who the Browns' starting running back was that year? It was Carlos Hyde. Yeah. Carlos Hyde, right? If you go back and look at it, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but if you go back and look at that season, the first, I want to say, five, six games, whatever it was, Nick Chubb was only getting like four or five carries a game. And Carlos Hyde was getting like 15 carries. They had another back, too. I, I can't remember now. Who, there, was another, there was a three-back rotation there, and Nick Chubb was getting the least of it. And Carlos Hyde was getting the majority of the carries early that season, and he was doing nothing. Mm-hmm. And Nick Chubb was getting like five carries for 50 yards. And after a couple of weeks, a bunch of us were like, well, what the hell's going on? Let's get sense. rid of Carlos Hyde. Yeah. Let's play Nick Chubb. And uh, so things like that can happen. I, I get it. You know, I like w- Nick Chubb was a second round pick. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't like he was a t- wasn't like he was a complete short thing. He'd come off a lot of injuries in college. And he became a star. I'd love to see uh, a situation, not necessarily where the starting guy is bad, but a situation where Cedric Tillman is so good every time he's on the field you can't keep that you off. can't keep him out. Yeah. And that hasn't happened with the Browns at that position in forever. 
Pickens and last we, year in Pittsburgh. George Pickens last exactly, year in Pittsburgh. Exactly. Exactly. And I'd love to see that happen this yeah. year. I don't I don't it might be hard for that opportunity to actually happen to happen, but I'd love to see him be so good. You know, because you think about the young receivers they've added in recent years. You know, Donovan Peoples-Jones has done a nice job, but it's been a slow build with Donovan Peoples-Jones. Not surprisingly, a late a late pick. But David Bell showed nothing last year. Anthony Schwartz showed nothing the year before. And these three guys, now with Tillman, were all relatively high picks. The first two have shown nothing. I think we've all given up on Schwartz at this point. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of people have given up on Bell. I think it's unfair after one year, but I'll, we'll see. But now Tillman's the new hope. So let's, you know... I don't want him to be Donovan Peoples-Jones. I want him to be the next Amari Cooper. Or better. Yeah. Like, there are wide receivers sometimes in the third round that end up being great players. Let's see. I hope that he's one of those guys. Well, I know McNuggets had did a lot of research on him after the Browns drafted him yeah. and talked to somebody that he knew that actually worked with the Tennessee Volunteers mm-hmm. personally. And then, you know, I would listen to the radio and I would listen to different college scouts. And a lot of people have first-round grades on him or at minimum right. a sec- a early second-round grade. He but I think, hurt. like, he got hurt. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that, that definitely hurt his draft stock. I don't know if he had any character issues or anything like that. But I don't think so. This no. is a dude who's a solid football player. This is a guy who, before Jalen Hyatt took off as this big-name deep threat, that he was considered Tennessee's number one wide receiver. And he put up some pretty good numbers until he got hurt. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of number one potential seemingly with Cedric Tillman. It's yeah. just about getting the opportunities, as you said, yeah. to put it all together. But to Jason's point, you know, when you look at this offense being the same, no matter who the quarterback is, because all quarterbacks in the quarterback room are so similar, I think he will get the opportunities. He might not be grade A, considering, you know, the units he's playing with, but the opportunities right. would award itself, and I yeah. think he'd be okay. He doesn't have burning speed. That's, nope. one, that's the one thing that holds him back. But you but don't have to. He's so big. Yeah. yeah. And he has such a great catch radius. I saw him make a couple of catches in West Virginia that were like, he's the biggest, I, I think he's the biggest receiver on the team from, the, from just from I what lose. I was seeing. Yeah, you I, know he's who, a, I, maybe, I saw him the first time. I'm like, he's bigger big, than Amari. He's a big, oh, he's way bigger than Amari. Yeah, he's a big a dude. From a physical standpoint and a skill set standpoint, he, he kind of reminds me of T. Higgins a little bit. Like T. Higgins bit. is not a burner. Yeah. But he is, he's big. He's, he's a great strong, route runner. He's a great route runner, and he catches everything. I would actually like to see uh, Tillman on Martin Emerson on a route. That'd be a lot of fun. Yeah. Those are two big That Eddie is fun. Yeah. Yeah. I'll tell you one other thing worth watching tonight is some of the guys getting an opportunity on the, at defensive tackle. Yeah. Because, and, you, and again, I could say, well, all right, but they're facing backups. But, well, they're, you know, that's okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a position where... I think I could take something, certainly the Browns can take something, out of, hey, was I able to hold up in the pocket, you know, against the center, against the guards? Was I able to stop the run? Was I able to create uh, an opportunity for a linebacker to make a play? The, the defensive tackle position, in terms of who's, remember, they rotate on that defensive line. So you're going to have three, if not four defensive tackles that are going to get an opportunity to to play a significant amount of, of plays. And the Browns only have one guy that's a short thing at that position that's going to, we know Dalvin Tomlinson is going to play a lot. Outside of that, we have no clue who's going to be second, third, and fourth in, in, in snaps on the def, at defensive tackle. And so, and, and some of it might be Miles Garrett occasionally or, you know, some of the defensive ends. But there's an opportunity to get real playing time, and that, that, that challenge starts tonight. You'll get your first look at Siaki Ika tonight, I would imagine. Right. Uh, I would think Maurice Hurst, even though he's a veteran, is going to yeah, play. Yeah, I was I, just thinking about him. I'm not yeah. sure because there's such an injury concern. Do you really want to run him out here? But he, he has got to play. We got to see. Yeah, he's, he's fighting for a job. I think Tom, the – go ahead. Tommy Togiai, I mean, he's probably not going to yeah. be here. He's the beyond. Anthony Schwartz of the D-line. Yeah, he'll, he'll be out there tonight. Yeah. I think the one for me is Tristan Hill. Like, you know, like when you talk to people – and I was listening to, a, uh, to an interview with a defensive line coach, and they was asking him of, of the guys who he thought was getting off the line of scrimmage the, the fastest. And he shocked me when he says, you know, Tristan Hill from the defensive tackle position seems to be the one guy that's getting off the line of scrimmage faster than anybody else. I don't know what the situation was in Dallas. I don't know much about him, but that's a guy that can – you know, possibly make some noise. It seems like he's caught the coach's attention already. So it'll be interesting to see what he do. But I think outside of the defensive tackle position, I look at the linebacker room as well. You know what I mean? That's considered by most the weakest position on the team. And so, you know, you got Jordan Phillips back coming off an injury. 
We got Sione Taki Taki back coming off the injury. So it'd be interesting to see how guys like that play. I do feel like even though, you know, guys won't play this game, but just throughout the preseason, a guy like Jock, right, who's had so many expectations upon him since he's been drafted. And I heard him speak earlier in camp when it was at the Greenbrier. He talked about feeling more free and feeling like he can play to his skill set in Jim Short's defense. So it'd be interesting as the tweaks to see has been made with the linebackers yeah. and how they react to it compared to how they deal with Joe Woods. Well, you mentioned Tristan Hill and the line and the, who's a defensive tackle and then the linebackers. Those are spots where there may be a name that kind of like Tristan Hill that sort of comes out of nowhere, mm-hmm. maybe even more obscure than that. Some guy that stands out. I know somebody the other day mentioned, oh, the linebackers haven't looked really good in, in training camp, but we still got a lot of time in the preseason, more camp. So there's a lot of time for defensive tackle and linebacker, even though we know some of the names at linebacker, none of them are such short things that somebody from out of the blue couldn't come take a job. I mean, that happens sometimes, and it could happen there, and it certainly could happen at defensive tackle. Uh, nobody, nobody, to me, uh, at defensive tackle or linebacker for the Browns, in my opinion, should be guaranteed a starting job outside of... Um, Dalvin Tomlinson. Dalvin Tomlinson. That's it. And, and, and again, I know there's guys we assume will be starters, especially a linebacker. But to me, nobody's played well enough at that position on this team that they should be a short thing. If there's some some guy we never heard of who made the team, it was undrafted and just kills it, and they're like, well, this guy's better. I, I don't care that he goes undrafted or is not a name. Let's go with the best guy you can get. This might be I'm an, sure they'll do it. This might be an unpopular take. And Jason, you can weigh in on this as well. Anthony Walker, I, I feel like, was, you know, resigned because he's considered the heart and soul of the team. He's a good locker room guy, a good veteran and leader to have on his team. But when Sione Takitaki got his opportunities to play as the Mike linebacker, I thought we see we seen him in a different light that we had never seen him before. And so I understand that, you know, Anthony Walker has been considered the captain or that guy. But I think Takitaki is a guy that you're talking about that if he goes out there and show it, it might be hard not to make him that Mike linebacker because I think he yeah. excelled when he when he got the opportunities in that role. He had his best performance when he moved to the middle for the Browns. I, I think Anthony Walker is better. He's just a better football player. But for Taki Taki, where he was playing the level he went to when he moved to the middle, 100%. He was, yeah. he was much better. I just think Anthony Walker is a better player. So I think he's still a starting middle linebacker. I agree, but it is tricky because I agree with what Earl said. He was better. He's more of a fit. To play middle linebacker. He's younger, you yeah. know, all that. But uh, at this point, you know, you're trying to win football games right now. Give me Anthony Walker in the middle. But yeah. Taki Taki looked lost. Looked like his days in Cleveland were numbered down the yeah. outside, yeah. frankly. And now when may- he moved to the middle, he was he was yeah. better. Now maybe Jim Schwartz finds a way to, to make him effective on the outside more. I, we'll, we'll have to see how he does it. JOK, as you said, seemed excited about, you know, the way they're changing up the defense. And so maybe that's different. You know, another guy... We're not going to see him tonight, but another guy just kind of sparked because you talk about Taki Taki playing well down the stretch. I thought Grant Delpit played really well down the I stretch agree. too, and uh, he's a guy who looked like uh, you know they they drafted him high. He was a second round pick, mm-hmm. and his first couple of years with the Browns an injury and he wasn't performing. And even at the beginning of last year, I'm like I I, I think Grant Delpit's just not the guy. But the second half of last year, like Taki Taki, which in Delpit's case he wanted to change positions. Um, I thought Delpit played his best football. And so we've talked a lot about uh, Juan Thornhill making the Browns secondary better. And I think he will because he's better than Johnson. But I also think if we get the grand Delpit we had in the second half of the year for a full season, then that's a it, a big upgrade too. Because he, I thought he was a different player in the last, whatever, seven, eight games of the year. This is a big year for him. Yeah. For, for Del- it's sort of a make or break year for yeah. him. Yeah. And... You know, he can be a missile back there. It just seems when you limit his responsibilities and you simplify his role, he can take off. It's when you make him stand there and think and process more often is when things seem to break down. And I think that's why having Jim Schwartz as his defensive coordinator, I think we will see him take that next step. You know, everybody talks about Jim Schwartz defense being so simple to understand, so to where they're not out there thinking too much. They can just go out there and play football. I don't know what took Joe Woods so long. I think he was forced to do so. But towards the end of the season, you start seeing him play Grant Delpit at his more natural safety position, more closer to the line of scrimmage, more in the box, putting him in a position to be able mm-hmm. to, to be a playmaker. And here it is, Jim Schwartz, that's his plan for him all along. So, 
you know, if he can stay healthy and really just, you know, not only sustain how he finished last season, but take it to the next step, I think he could be like that breakout player for the Cleveland Browns this year. More important than the game tonight is, of course, the fact that Joe Thomas is going in the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. Uh, he'll finally be enshrined, and he's the first Cleveland Browns player in forever. Who was the last Browns player to go into the Hall of Fame? You know it offhand? I'm just thinking uh, about that. I'm like, I don't even can't even think. Uh, I looked this up, or I read it recently, but I don't remember. Oh, who the anymore. hell is the last Browns player in the Hall of Fame? It's been a long time. I'm trying to think of. I think in the '80s somebody was inducted. Oh, Ozzy. Okay, Ozzy. That's a long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What year was that? What year did he go in? I don't know. That would actually would have been the 90s that he went in, I think. Let's see. And I think he was working in Baltimore at the time when he went in, if I'm mistaken. I so, don't know. So, I'm only, I, I was born in 1987, right? Oh. I vaguely remember the Cleveland Browns before they left here in 95. And so, most of my memory is 99 into now. So, 99, he went in the Hall of Fame? And, yep, ninety nine. And yeah. to see Joe Thomas going to the hall to the Hall of Fame, I think personally is pretty cool because a lot of the Browns teams I've seen in my lifetime has been horrible, right? Yeah. And this was a guy to me who I got much respect for. Me and Anthony was talking about this. You had an opportunity to be traded to go win the Super Bowl with the different Broncos and Peyton Manning, but you opted to stay here. And not too many people opt to stay in Cleveland when yeah. you have an opportunity to go elsewhere. Um, I always thought that he was truly a pillar of the community. I thought he was a guy that represented the organization very, very well on and off the field and that he truly set the example. You know, he played with all kind of injuries that we never knew about. Torn ACLs, you know, uh, uh, sprained this and, and sprained that. And he got out there every single day and like he bust his ass and he really showed that he was the epitome of Cleveland. You know, a lot of people will talk about a former quarterback who used to be here and they will say that, you know, he represents Cleveland. He gets us. And to me, he didn't. I think Joe Thomas is the guy who truly rep- represents Cleveland well. This is a guy who brings his hard hat and his lunch pail every single time he comes to work. And it's unfortunate, you know, his rookie season was the year the Browns, I think, won like, what, 10 and 6 and didn't make the playoffs. And who mm-hmm. knew that it would be as good as it gets for him in his career? Yeah. I yeah. think I originally, the, fr- the first thing about Joe that stuck out to me was on draft day when he went fishing with his dad. Yeah. And I thought, like, this cat's a little different. Yeah. And that was their routine. Like, that's what they did. They went fishing. And so that's what he did. He went fishing during the NFL draft. Yeah. And that has always stuck with me, that when he was drafted by the Browns in the first round, he wasn't in New York. He wasn't in the green room. He wasn't on the podium. Nope. He was on a boat with his dad fishing. That was pretty cool. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, the Browns have, uh, you know, most of the Hall of Famers for the Browns played in the 50s and the 60s and before that, they, Ozzie Newsom is the most recent Hall of Famer. If you had to bet on current Brown making the Hall of Fame, who are you, who are you voting for? Joe Batonio. Earl? Easily Batonio. It's harder. Zach actually. I don't know Zach, about this easier stuff. Zach Jackson guys. just posted a story today on Batonio yeah. being the next Hall of Famer. It's a little bit harder for guards. Yeah, Garch don't go in the Hall of Fame that much. Yeah, but I, I think he's, I think he's earned it. I don't it. think, I don't know that he's a lock for the Hall. Of I don't Fame. think he's a lock, but you ask me who's next. I think it's like that. of the of the what since '99 or current Browns team. I mean, there's no other players since '99 that's going in the Hall of Fame outside of probably Joe Batonio. Possibly. Well, no, I mean, uh, there are three guys in the current team that could potentially be Hall of Famers: Nick My- Chubb, Miles Garrett, and and Batonio. Batonio. Yeah, yeah. And I guess I'll throw in Deshaun Watson too. He has a long way to go, yeah. but I'll throw him in as a possibility. But um, I'm just saying nobody that's played for the Browns from 99 that's no longer on the team is ever sniffing the whole thing. No, no, of course not. No. I, Betonio, I think, is the nearest to the end of his career. Therefore, he would be right. the first. That's um, kind of why I said him, too. Yeah, right? but obviously, Miles and, and Chubb, we've talked yeah. about it before. It's, it's pitiful that the Browns could have three Hall of Famers and yeah. can't, can't do anything with it. Are they all... I would agree that if they all retired today, Betonio's the most likely. Yeah. But I think when it's all said and done, I don't think he'll be the most likely. Miles probably will be of the three. Maybe. It depends how long Nick Chubb plays for. Yeah. Because Nick Chubb has played at a Hall of Fame level every year of his career. Yeah. But running backs burn out quicker. It's so funny that that you said that. But Terrell Davis got into the Hall of Fame, and he only did it for like five, six years. But he's part of the It's funny you say that, man, because we talk about we sitting here, we watching reels, right? And I always find people with these throwback reels of guys like 
Jamal Charles, Priest Holmes. Uh, yeah, who had a couple uh, of great years. Yeah, uh, Chris Johnson. You know, guys like this. And it's Chris like, Johnson. damn, man. Yeah. It was thousand yards. David Johnson. 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 David Johnson. Sean Alexander. <laughs> look how quickly. Todd, look how Todd Gurley <laughs> fell off a cliff. Yep. Yep. Yeah, so like it's Kareem it's, Hunt may be out of football. It's, it's one of those football. situations, man, to where like it's it's that's a good question. It's something yeah. to think about. If Nick Chubb retired today, would he be a retired? No, he wouldn't. No, he, he, he wouldn't be. No. You know, but I think he's, but he doesn't he's, have he's to do his that way. much longer. Like another three years at this level, he might be. I think it's gotta be more than three. Adrian the, Peterson set the bar so high. Well, there, part of that is yes. And, but it's stupid that Terrell Davis would get in because he won a Super Bowl. Like how much how you know, that's just dumb question random thought do you think that like how the running back position has been treated in the nfl and how it's viewed now and how the yeah. game has changed so much do you think the criteria for running backs getting to the hall of fame now becomes do you do you have to view it with a slanted i i guess so i think speak. all that you do because it used to be like now if you look at same thing in the opposite direction if you look at like quarterback stats now they're so if you look at if you go back and look at some of the quarterback stats from Terry Bradshaw, from Joe Namath, they'd get cut today. They, their stats, <laughs> their statistics, you'd be like, "How is this guy in the Hall of Fame?" Right? Yeah. They have more. I think Joe Namath and Bradshaw may have thrown more picks and touchdowns, or it's close. Nowadays, nobody's like that. None of the good players are anywhere close to that. So you're going to have guys that put up massive numbers, like a guy like Matt Ryan. Like to me, I wouldn't even consider him for the Hall of Fame. Would you guys? But Matt Ryan in the Hall of Fame? I'd have to look at the numbers. But I don't probably. even care about the numbers because everybody's numbers are going to be so big but now. When I, when I hear Matt Ryan, do I think Hall of Fame? No. No. no and I by don't. the way, I don't think – I know this is – I'm in the minority of this. I don't think Eli Manning's a Hall of Famer. And I don't think you should be a Hall of Famer just because you won two Super Bowls. I think Super Bowl is a team thing. I, that's just me. I know a lot of people say, I well, mean, a quarterback goes a long way, especially now it's a, it's more yeah. of a deal. I agree with that. But, like, you still – the whole team has to be moving in the same direction and accomplish that feat. So, I wouldn't say he's a Hall of Famer because he's beat the Patriots twice in yeah. the Super Bowl. I, but he's, I, I he's up there, like, in yardage all the time. Yeah. Although, he'll, he's going to get passed by a lot of guys in the next decade, I bet. Yeah. All right, Anthony. What's going on? Yeah, guys, before we move on, I want to tease tomorrow's show a little bit. We're going to be talking about our reactions to the game tonight. And you talk about the Hall of Fame. We got a top five for Joe Thomas tomorrow. Burl and I went together and put our heads together. And we're going to do that for you guys tomorrow. So make sure you're here at 11 a.m. And then next topic, we're talking about Kevin Stefanski got ranked fourth place in head coaches for the AFC North. Yeah. You guys think that's fair? Yeah, there's no argument for him being higher. How can be anything other? Yeah. I mean, you You're may like him personally, but there's there's literally no argument you could make that takes ten. So I know I know you think I'm a homer, but yeah, yeah I mean, I like him, but you can't make an argument, to, no argument to do so. I mean, Zach Taylor, who a lot of people kind of underrated as a head yeah. coach, has took his team to the Super Bowl, two AFC Championship appearances. Right. We all know what John Harbaugh has. We all know his track record as a head coach. Yeah. Mike Tomlin has never had a losing season in his career. Yeah. And he has a Super Bowl, so. I mean, a coach of the year award is not enough to get you higher in a division when you consider no. everything else every head coach in this division has done. And the coach of the year doesn't go to the best coach. It goes to the coach of the most surprising good team. <laughs> Usually. Pretty yeah. much. Usually. I mean, brand new coach with the Browns in a COVID yeah. year. And right. And he did a good job. And I and I know Jason thinks he's a good coach, and I think he's a good coach too. And we're probably the minority opinion here in Cleveland, or at least it's fifty fifty. However, there is, I, you know, I just, I can't, I, how do I make an argument for him being better than the other guys? No, you're not being reasonable. And, no. and, it, and that's fine. Like, yeah. who, look who's in your division. Right. There, there's no shame in being fourth when you're up against two, two guys that are probably going to the Hall of Fame. Right. And another who's already been to a Super Bowl. Yeah, right. So, I mean, you, I, if you want to argue that if Kevin Stefanski and Zach Taylor had the same roster that you think Stefanski would do better, okay, you could make that argument. I don't know how you'd prove that, though. Right. You can't. You can't prove that. <laughs> so, I mean, the rankings are what they are, I guess, yeah. just to spice the conversation. So, yeah. I would say that Kevin Stefanski has a lot of potential that when we do this next year, he might be ranked number two. He might be third. He might be third or two. Well, he better go to the Super Bowl or at least the AFC Championship game where yeah. he's not moving up. So, no, yeah. Because I, I think a lot goes. Yeah, they could go to the Super Bowl and he's still not moving beyond third. I, that that could, I, because of the division. That's, true. I, yeah. that, that's very possible. Yeah. But, I mean, fourth is where he is. Fourth is fourth. But I think he's a really good head coach, and I think he gets a lot of unnecessary slack. Uh, I'm a guy like Jason, man. I'm a huge supporter of Kevin Stefanski. But I'm authentic. When he pisses me off, I let it be known he pisses me off. 
There's been times that he's done things that's overly frustrated me that just didn't make sense. But I like how he's even keel. I like the fact that he doesn't really overreact to the negative or to the positive. And I think attitude is true, a true reflection of leadership. Yeah. And if you put out that type of energy, I think your players will follow it. I think he's a coach that does a great job of scheming up a game plan to get guys open. I, to your point, he's always had guys running open for the last three years. He's yeah. just never had a quarterback that can consistently get them the ball. I think that the players respect him and play hard for him, and I think he has to respect to the owners and the general manager. Uh, we weren't hearing that from G and J and uh, and and uh, Brad last year. They didn't agree with anyone agreed with anything you just said there. And uh, in fact, they said there's no leadership. I think it's funny. In the first year when the Browns went to the playoffs with Stefanski, we all loved the fact that he was calm, cool, didn't get emotional. But last year when they were they sucked, uh, a lot of people were angry that he wasn't. They wanted emotional. to see him like losing his shit on the right, sideline. Right, right, right. And that's not his style. And and you know he it, does yell at the refs. They don't catch it, but he does. He does get on the refs. Yeah, yeah everybody does that, but, but I'm not saying, as much as like. Is he tearing the locker room apart? No. no. Is he ripping the sideline no. apart? No. But he like he's fighting for his guys. He's and he doesn't need to undress. Like some people have asked, oh, he's got to rip his players publicly. He doesn't need to do that. But he should be ripping his players in the locker room, per, you know, on a one on one basis. Yeah, I do Certainly. agree with Jason though. He's yeah. he's not no beta male. I mean, Stefanski is going to talk his stuff, and he will let you know how he feel. But you know. A lot of people might feel like, okay, I'm giving you too much praise for a coach who's not done much, but I can like see below the surface with a, with a few things. And if you're a guy that you got the command and respect of your team and your organization, that says a lot about your character. And I want you to say this to G when he's back. I've, I've, I've had this conversation with G, G plenty thinks of he times. Has no command in now, the now granted, I was a guy who last year I was pissed off that he didn't fire Joe Woods or Mike Prefer in the middle of the season. I was one of those guys screaming like, man, try to save the season. Yeah. But it took me a long time to realize what Jason said from day one. They was punting. They so punt it was no need for him to go out there and do that. But then I also think that it showed good leadership not firing those guys just because they were in the midst of a storm. I used to be a supervisor of a seven-man department for the city of Cleveland. And to me, good leaders, they delegate to the people that they hire. You have to trust them to do their job, whether they do their job right or not. And then as a leader, you come back at the end of that, yeah. you assess the situation, and then you make the proper changes. And I thought he yeah. did a good job of doing that. This I, I disagree. I think they still should have fired. It doesn't matter now. I think he. I think it was a, a bad, bad job of leadership to not fire. I think if the ship is sinking, you've got to say it, it shows that you care or you're trying to change something to fire him. But to me, it's, it's neither here nor there at this point. We've uh, we've moved on. But uh, Anthony, we're going to move on from this topic because. There's no argument taking Kevin Spence. No, that's 100% fair. Is anybody trying to argue in the chat? Uh, well, so I did actually uh, – we have a PCC poll that I can yeah, read before we move on, and you're going to love the poll, it. the poll question today, am I racist? Because apparently people <laughs> were, were calling me racist after uh, G and I had that uh, debate the other day. Go yeah, ahead. well, I didn't make that the poll question today, but whenever we do do Tomorrow. a poll question, it's brought to you by PCC Airfoils. Looking for a job with career advancement and great benefits, PCC Airfoils is a leading manufacturer in Northeast Ohio, and all locations of PCC in Eastlake, Menor, Wycliffe, and Minerva are hiring for all positions starting at $18 and up. Plus, you can get a full benefit package, paid time off, and a signing bonus. You can apply online at precast.com careers to learn more. So the poll today that Earl put up, yeah. Is do you believe Kevin Stefanski is the fourth best coach in the, in the AFC North? Thirty-six uh, percent said yes, and sixty-four percent of our fans said no. <laughs> so I don't actually think they're on your side here, guys. Where they're like, "Oh yeah, it's cut dry. We're done." I'd love to hear the arguments. Like, it's just, it's just. Oh, it's my my gut feeling. Uh, so some yeah. comments here. Taylor hasn't made the Bengals better. Just benefited from pa uh, patient front office and great quarterback and wide receiver. People are saying Stefanski can say the same. So I, there's a, there's a 25 or so no comments on here. I don't think Zach Taylor is a great coach. I think he's all right. In reality, I think uh, I think most head coaches are somewhere in the middle. Yeah. I think there's a three or four head coaches that are huge and great. I think there's three or four every year that are, that are complete trash. <laughs> Freddies. And most of them are in the middle. It depends on the talent you yeah. have. I think that's a true statement, but yeah. I also think it's true two of those guys who's always in the top four just happen to be in the AFC North. It seems like John uh, Harbaugh has been able to take whatever he's been given and make it competitive and at least scare other opponents to, hey, the Ravens can make the playoffs. It seems like no type, whatever type of team that you give Mike Tomlin, 
he's able to go out there and at least make his team competitive. So I, I, I think they're I difference say, makers. I will say that I would put Harbaugh ahead of Tomlin personally. Um, I think Tomlin, one of Tomlin's biggest flaws has been he's hired shitty assistants. On the offensive side, they've had a lot of problems. Have they? Who, name a coach. There's no coaches. Does Mike Tomlin have a coaching tree? No, no. but I, 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 my pushback will be yeah. the offensive coordinator, his mind is uh, Greg Roman. That, that used to be there. Yeah. It's not like he did anything to push the Ravens offense or Lamar Jackson forward either. So you can argue that both coaches didn't hasn't. I mean, no, I mean, think what about you, it. What do you mean? So this is when he came over from San Francisco. Because he worked with Colin Kaepernick. He yeah. came over. He became the Ravens offensive Did coordinator. Did Lamar win an MVP? With Lamar Kirk? won an MVP, but he didn't, any, he didn't do much, in my opinion, yeah. to really progress Lamar Ford as a quote-unquote quarterback. Because quarterback. this is what people say when you talk about Lamar Jackson. Yeah. He's a running quarterback, and he can't throw. Like, to me, good offensive coordinators can help you add on layers to your game. I, I think, in my opinion, the two biggest problems with Lamar Jackson can't be coached. One, injury. Two, his his ability, his decision-making. I don't know that that can be improved. I think he has a big arm. I think he's accurate. He and I, throw. I think that you, he hasn't had an a offensive coordinator that actually put him in positions to show that, hey, Well, we're going to see I that this year. And you will see it. You will and see I'll, it. And we'll see if that works but for him. Because... I, I would put Tomlin above. They both have a Super Bowl, right? Well, yeah. Harbaugh has two Super Bowl rings, right? So yeah. that, that you can Tomlin argue hasn't won a playoff game in forever. You could argue that's the edge, but man, it's something about and how competitive the NFL is and the AFC is in particular. Yeah. He's never had a losing season as a coach, and it's not like he's always had a competent roster. I, I, that's fair. This would be a good question for Aditi in twenty minutes. Oh, it is true. That is a good. We question. do we do have twenty minutes until Aditi. Yeah, uh, some people in here are saying Zach Taylor deserves to be in the last. Yeah, that's silly. That doesn't make any sense. Um, all right, Anthony, what do we got next? We got 32 and 32 next. Yeah. Uh, in today's 32 and 32 is Ethan Pochich and what he's going to do for the Browns this year. That's who we deemed the uh, – this is number 26, number 25. I lost count. <laughs> I mean, you're producing today. You have to know what number – Completely is. lost count. It's number it's 25. It's number 25. Again, you guys have un- put him too low. I don't know what you guys are doing, Ethan Poch. You're telling me there's 24 more important people than Ethan Pochich? You haven't seen the whole list. So the way we made this list yeah. was I made a list of my guys. Earl made a list of his guys. Mike made a list of his guys. And yeah. Mike did some Excel math and yeah. made a final list averaging mm-hmm. everybody out. So this is how they all landed. Uh, Ethan Pochich is interesting because, you know, Bill Callahan has, is a great offensive line coach. And when the Browns got Wyatt Teller, he was like a pro bowler his first year here. And since then, he's declined a little bit. Still, still good, but not as good. And so I got my Ethan Pochich had done nothing in Seattle. He came here. He played like a Pro Bowler. And is he going to go backwards this year? I, I don't know. He got hurt, and that's been a you know a problem on the Browns' offensive line. I I think he, Ethan Pochich is really important. He was an excellent player for them last year. Callahan's presence actually I think hurt him a little bit in free agency. He was the injuries in Callahan because it was sort of like the Callahan cheat code. Remember, we were talking like he was going to get a monster contract. Right, right, right. It never yeah. happened. It never came. No. I think it was the injuries and the fact that they looked at that and said, well, that's the Callahan effect, and we don't have Bill Callahan here, so we're not going to make him this big offer. Ethan wanted to come here because of that same thing, because of Callahan and because of the strength and conditioning staff of the Browns. It, yeah. He was really high on them. And obviously, we know how it worked out. It was, it was, he was a godsend for them last year. After, uh, who was it, Nick, Nick right? Harris. Harris, thank you. Yeah. After Harris went down in the preseason opener. I haven't heard his name mentioned at all. What's I'm not sure he's making this team. I think he's too small to play guard. So, I, he may go from starting center last year to cut this year. I, I don't know. Maybe yeah. there's a spot for him. Uh, but Poshik has taken over that spot. And I've said before, he is like a human eclipse. He's an enormous, enormous person sometimes your centers are a little bit smaller yeah this guy's huge and when he shakes your hand he envelops your entire like i feel like a child standing yeah he's just he's massive and massively important to, to what they do obviously and particularly you mentioned teller and, and the run game yeah you know he's the, these guys are are just bull rushing uh guards and centers and really getting off the ball and i think that there's a little bit of question on the right side with conklin mm-hmm. Teller didn't have the year that he wanted right. to have. And he was hurt again. I think they these yeah. guys know, like, this could be it for them. One more yeah. bad year, and they could be gone. Uh, so, for Posick, yeah, I mean, I, 
I think he's probably he probably could be a little bit higher, but I don't think they have him. I I thought I keep forgetting you guys have coaches in there too. Yeah, they so. have coaches. Uh, I don't know if you have GM owners or anything like that. Uh, GM is in there. I don't think uh, Jimmy or D is in there. Okay. Oh my God. But, but that's probably God. that's probably about right for him. I think maybe a t- t- couple spots low, but not too bad. I mean, I think I think he's very important to the, to the Browns' overall success. I mean, he's the center of the team. His chemistry with Deshaun Watson is very important. I think he's a highly intelligent young man. A lot of people talk about the quarterback coming to the line of scrimmage and making line checks and being able to recognize what's going on. And I think he's Deshaun Watson's second side, of, second, uh, you know, pair of eyes and ears when it comes to understanding what's going on on the football field. Uh, he proved that, you know, he is a good football player and we have a good offensive line coach who was able to get the most out of him, as you said, that we got with Wyatt Teller because it's not like Wyatt Teller was in high regards when he got here. Right. And so, like, I think that his overall presence is important. Um, as far as Nick Harris go, I think I think he will make this team as a backup center. I kind of disagree with Jason a little bit, just for the simple fact I remember during the COVID year, rather due to injury or COVID itself, he kind of played guard in a couple games and he didn't do too bad. And one of the things that I remember Andrew Barry saying about Nick Harris when they drafted him is they thought he was a center that was smart and that was versatile. And so when you talk about a lot of these depth guys, yeah. it's the versatility I think that they, that's able to keep them around. Well, they keep. You keep what nine offensive linemen usually, eight. I can't remember the, what most teams keep when the, you know the starting five. We know that uh, James Hudson's going to be on the team. That's mm-hmm. six. The kid, what's his name? They just drafted from Ohio State. Uh, Dewan Whipler. Jones. Oh, Dewan Jones. Jones. Yeah, he's going to be on the team. That's seven. So Nick Harris. I mean, you got and those guys are both tackled. So you're going to need two, probably two interior linemen. Backups and who you know Harris is competing. Harris, Forbes, Michael Dunn, right? Uh, one or two of those guys are gonna yeah. make it, and one one's right. not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, I don't know. He he has shown some promise, but he's been hurt a lot, which is a recurring theme with with the members of this Browns offensive line, not named Joel Batonio. And um, so, I, you know, they already have an injury prone offensive line. I don't know if I want to keep an injury prone backup. Well, to your point, you know, the same thing that make you laugh, make you cry, right? When you got a, a, a developer and coach like Bill Callahan, it's yeah. almost like the Guardians. You feel a little bit more comfortable moving on from a pitcher, per se, in this case, a center, right. because you believe that you can scour rather the waiver wire, free agency, or next yeah. year in the draft, like they did this year with the center from Ohio State, yeah. and get you a developmental guy that you trust your offensive right. uh, line yeah. coach to, he, to he develop. He probably makes so. it, what's it, Wexler, Wepler? We- Wepler or something I like that. So There's also yeah. practice squad guys. You know, these guys can go yeah. to practice right, squad. Right, they right. come up with phantom IR sure. injuries. and yeah. But to, to get a guy in the practice squad, he's got to clear through waivers. Right. I, do, I do want to ask you a question. I've been hearing his name. One, I think it's Tyrone Wheatley Jr. Mm-hmm. Is that the, is his father Tyrone Wheatley who used to play for the Raiders? It was like a fullback for the Raiders he, or something. He went like to that. Michigan. Yeah. Tyrone Wheatley went to Michigan. Yeah, yeah. I hear his name I a haven't lot. looked at. I haven't looked it up. I believe so. But I, I mean, what are the odds up. that he's a Tyrone Wheatley Jr. and it's not? That I mean, Kenny Lofton Jr. <laughs> yeah, has nothing to do with Kenny Lofton. You don't hear much about offensive linemen, but you know when you do, it's I like okay. Know that, by the way. That that's not. His. I didn't know that. I'm gonna be. I'm, I'm, gonna be I'm hearing his name a lot, him. and I know Jason. You was out there. Is yeah. this is a is this a young man that has an opportunity to earn a roster spot? It seems like they like him. Wheatley. Yeah. Um. I I think he's probably be more of a practice squad guy. I could be wrong. I I, I think I, honestly, I think we're too early to know. Like okay. we just haven't seen yeah, enough. There's a lot it's of... too like this is the Hall of Fame game. It's like when it's warm in March mm-hmm. and you think spring's here, yeah. and it's really not. Right. The Hall of Fame game has thrown off the timing of this That's true. to where we are so, so, so early in this still. Right. That it's really yeah. just hard to say. It is way... There's in, it's especially a, with linemen, there could be injuries in camp. Right. Especially with, with, with Brown's linemen. Um, I'm trying to see if it's his father, Earl. I can't find it on Wikipedia. I now. imagine okay. it is. Uh, he went to... Um, he played at, at Michigan. Junior did. Wheatley Jr. I mean, did. So, again, it's funny story, him. right? Uh, I was working for Euclid Municipal Court when I was going through the interview process to get this job. Yeah. And somebody had came in and paid a ticket, and I looked at his name, and it said Najee Davenport Jr. And I was like, it's a dude who used to play in the NFL named Najee Davenport. He right. said, yeah, that's my dad. Yeah. I said, no stuff. I said, uh, he, I'm like, you born here? 
he like, yeah, because I know Davenport spent a lot of time in Pittsburgh. Right. Yeah, so I thought that was pretty so, cool. See, there you go. So it probably is his dad, I would guess. I feel like we should know this already. But I just uh, assumed it was, but yeah. I don't want to say yes without actually having True, because it I assumed it was Kenny Lofton's son. Yeah, it's, 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 I did it's too. his kid. It's his kid. As a kid. It is yeah. his kid. Yeah. And, all right. And what position does he play? I don't even know. Line. <laughs> Wasn't he a running back, the original? Tyrone no, his Weedy dad was, was a running back. His dad yeah. was a running back. His dad That's was a saying. beast. The original Tyrone Yeah, Weedy. like I know you're not a video game like head, but like, yeah, yeah. like his dad was one of those dudes who got busy on Madden. Yeah, all right. He his, got busy. His, his kid's a tackle. His kid's a tackle. Yeah, I just want to remind everybody that we just hit 25,000 subscribers on YouTube, and it's a huge milestone for us, and I just want to thank everyone and tell everyone, keep subscribing, tell your family, tell your friends. We're going to have a lot of Browns content planned out from today till the end of the season, and you don't want to miss any of it. Get the notifications. So, guys, we have 10 minutes until Aditi comes on, mm-hmm. and I didn't have anything planned because I thought our Kevin Stefanski thing was going to be a little bit longer, Yeah. but we talked about Jonathan Taylor the other day not yeah. getting his money. They don't want to pay him his money. Did you guys see what the owner of the Colts is paying $20 million to do today? No. What is he doing? He's paying $20 million to move an orca across. You can take tag board, Steve. To move an orca across the country, but he won't pay his star running back. <laughs> what? I just, I saw it this morning and Why I thought it was he insane. that money to move an orca? I, so I read the article. I, he just thinks it's a good idea to do. Well, I don't even understand. But it's not a good idea to pay a 24-year-old star running I mean, one has back. nothing to do with the other. It's but Barstool. Are we sure it's true? I mean, what? I've what, seen multiple that, reports that on this. can't be true. What are you talking about? What? Why, why would Jim Ursay be moving an orca? I mean, he's a billionaire, man. He, he played billionaire games. Listen, he, do what he, he wants, wants so to release it into its natural disease. habitat, Anthony but he won't pay Jonathan right Taylor. <laughs> Because he feels like we have nothing to talk about for the dead <laughs> I thought it was funny, and I was going to include uh, it into overtime. Anthony, there's 800 subjects we can come up with. Uh, don't worry about it. Don't panic. We'll be able to talk for 10 minutes. There's plenty of things to talk about. But I need to know more about this. First of all, this can't be good for the Orca. Way, the Orca. Here, here's a story from a month ago. Right, Colts owner and philanthropist in the lead. Colts owner and philanthropist Jim yeah. Ursay said he is still working on bringing the orca whale Takate Takati yeah. back to the Salish Salish Sea. I'm butchering these names. Who cares? Go and ahead. he's personally helping to fund the effort. We is this will, good for the animal? We will get it done. I would imagine they're not trying to kill him. Well, you never know. We will, Somebody said he's like doing this. Animals. They, they, you know, they get their rocks off on them. <laughs> Somebody get, in chat said he's doing this because the orca isn't a cap hit. So. We, uh, <laughs> we will get it done, and we're trying to get it done sooner than later. Ursay said on the Pat McAfee show. Again, this is last month. Okay. Uh, Takati, the endangered southern resident killer whale, was taken from her native waters 50 years ago and shipped to the Miami Seaquarium where she performed under the name Lolita for decades. Oh, my God. They changed the orca's name. I will ask this question, though, because I think me and Anthony talked about it earlier this week. The Kansas City Chiefs came up as a name, as a team that wanted to potentially look into trading for Jonathan Taylor. But the Chiefs was also used as an example of a team of why, quote-unquote, the running back position is not important because they won the Super Bowl with a rookie behind them. I no, think, by the way, let me let me clarify something before we continue this, okay? I don't think anybody's saying the running back position is not important. That's what's being screw, screwed around here. The the star running backs are trying to say the running back position is be, is not important. The league is not saying that. The league is saying it's not important to pay running backs a ton of money because there's other running backs that can do the job. It's not that the position is not important. It's the having the... Having one bell, bell cow is not as important. Teams like to split carries. It keeps guys fresher. I agree with that, but I think that it's different strokes for different folks. I think that instead of just looking at, you know, this, he's a running back, he's a running back, he's a running back, and I can get this running back that can do similar things to you at a lesser value, Yeah, that's good business, but at the same time, I think you can also trip yourself up into a bad situation. You can. And I think that you need to look at each player. But I don't player. think the, are gonna, the Colts are going to trade it. But no, I don't either. But yeah. I'm, I'm speaking on the position overall. Yeah. I think you need to look at it case by case. I know me and Jason disagree, but maybe I read too much into what Andrew Berry said. But yeah. to me, it seems like that he's looking at Nick Chubb as Nick Chubb and not Nick Chubb that plays running back. 
I don't think he's going to get that. What, what is it, his cap? Hit? Eleven million. Sixteen million. Next 16 year. million. He ain't getting that. I think that his contract is going to be restructured, restructured, Absolutely. and he's going to be extended. But as far as this particular situation goes, you got a guy in Jonathan Taylor who's going into the last year of his contract, and Ursay saying he want a high round pick for him in return. You're not going to get that because whoever trades for, if you trade a first or a second round pick for him. That means you're signing him to a new deal. Yeah, and, nobody's trading the first round. And nobody's pick doing that. No. I, I saw something on the internet about... Although, they, although the Niners gave up a lot to get McCaffrey last year. Different they did. back, he can catch passes out of the backfield. Oh, and so and he can Taylor. block. Yeah, but McCaffrey's the best in the league at it. And, but So uh, here's... The, there was a funny thing on the internet about, you know, a fake conversation where yeah. Ursay looks at Taylor and says, I can't trade you, you're too valuable. And he says, then pay me. And he says, no. <laughs> right. <laughs> Like, that's kind of where they're at is, no, you're, I, we can't lose you. You're too valuable to what we do, and we wouldn't get enough in return for trading you. Well, then pay me. Well, no. <laughs> well, why not? I, I mean, if I were the Colts, I would trade them if I could get a first-round pick. Who's giving up a first-round pick? Well, probably nobody, but uh, I would do it if I could get a first-round pick. I could pick. see a team. What, what good is Jonathan Taylor? The I mean, maybe the, Chiefs, anyway. maybe the Chiefs or the Bills give up a first-round pick. I mean, probably not. I was going like, to say a second-round pick. I think the, I think the Bills... The Chiefs and maybe the Dolphins are three teams that will probably give well, up a second round Why would the Dolphins do? I, why would anybody give up that when you could just sign Dalvin Cook? I think Jonathan Taylor is better than Cook. Is but he? To, yes. He got less miles on him. He's 24 years old. But to I, your point. I don't think he's that. Jonathan Taylor was hurt last year. But Dalvin to, Cook has, has been great every year in the NFL. But to your point also, yeah. it, it is what's the gap between those two? Not and much. Why, why would you Even, give up? I would agree that Taylor's better, but not by much. So... To, to that point, yeah, yeah, why would you give a I'm first not round up pick for him. if the gap isn't that wide and you just go sign Austin something? Eckler wanted to be traded. Reportedly, nobody offered anything. Guy's one of the best backs in the league. Nobody's trading for Jonathan Taylor. That's why I said if I can get him for I wouldn't trade it. I, I don't even think anybody would give him a second round pick for him. I because why, why, if you're the Chiefs, would you rather have Dalvin Cook in a second round pick or, or Jonathan Taylor? I think it's no brainer. Well, Dalvin Cook Dalvin sounds Cook. like he's, he's going to New York. It doesn't. I, mean, I, I know. I'm just. But the, only because the Chiefs may not be interested. Yeah. It's hard to trade him. So now. why would they, if they're not interested in Dalvin Cook, why would they be interested in Jonathan Taylor? It doesn't, doesn't make. I any mean, sense. I don't know that. I mean, yeah. I know Darren Smith. I can ask him. <laughs> He's probably watching the show right now. Yeah, it's true. Darren, <laughs> text me or to, or, or, or send. Darren, holler at us, man. What the Chiefs gonna do? It would be hard to trade him now because what, what's your avenues to replace him if you're the Colts? But they're going to stink anyway, so maybe they don't care. Maybe they're going to tank. Well, then then you are. Then you're really tanking. Although they drafted a quarterback, so. But, Jason, here's the weird thing. If I'm the head coach, th- this is the head coach that just came from Philly. Yep. Why would I want to trade? Jo- Why would I? You don't. You don't. Like Anthony Richardson and Jonathan Taylor is the perfect marriage to have something similar to what you ran offensively with the Philadelphia Eagles. And to me, it's like the starter kit, right? So whatever riffraff he have with the owner, man, if yeah. I'm the head coach, I'm like, hey, I need y'all to kind of get this they're settled not, down because not I trade need this him. dude. It'll be fine. He's not holding out or anything like that. Um, you know, he's on his rookie contract still. So what? You know, Ursay should just shut the hell up. He's an idiot. He's. I told you, he's crazier than vintage Dan. Like when Dan <laughs> really? was. Oh yeah. Crazier than that. Oh yeah. Wow. Oh yeah. I mean, he hasn't written a letter, but no. but <laughs> he's he's. Do you think when Dan wrote that letter, he he thought it was true? Of course. He spent all day writing that letter. Did I ever tell you that? No. That was not the first version. That letter was heavily edited. You ever seen the music video Stan by Eminem? No. I'm oh, man. That. I'm going to show you after the show. But that's what I, every time I think back, <laughs> it just reminds me of a pissed off Dan Gilbert all in his feelings. You know, just just writing away. Somebody should have told him, man, put the pen down. Yeah, well, put the pen down. I'm sure there were people telling him he that. He was at the Sun Valley Conference for billionaires when all, when all that went down. And the Cavs didn't have any contact with LeBron in yeah. the days leading up to that. But they had family. I think I was told it was Gloria was sort of the conduit between yeah. LeBron and the family. And Gloria stopped taking their calls the morning of the decision. Right. So they knew. And he yeah. got to work on that typewriter banging away. And he had all day, he spent all day yeah. on that letter, and it was heavily edited. Can you oh imagine what, what the first version? Like? I said, like, I first- probably called him every name in the book. <laughs> I said that first version's got to be out there somewhere. Oh, God, I want I'd it. To see I want to find it. Oh, I, want, I, want an ex- I want an athletic uh, expose <laughs> on that original letter. You got to find it. He's probably got that, you know, with some. Uh, oh, somebody's got that. He's probably got that in a safe. 
Somebody's got that. With, you know, all kinds of evil stuff spent, that he has in there. Spent all day working oh on that. Oh, my God. That's like Speaking a, of which, I, you know, I haven't, we haven't talked about it in the last couple of days. I'm sure you guys talked about it last week, what happened with Bronny. Was very scary, mm. obviously for his family. Awful. Seems like he's doing all Awful. right. Have you heard anything? No, new? I I haven't poked around on that. God, that's it's horrifying. That's not, not my world anymore. Yeah. But I, I said my heart broke for the guy. Like, you know, you, you know Bronny a little bit, don't you? Little, yeah, 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 a little bit. And you know, I mean, everyone you look at these people as bigger, larger than life, and right, super right, size. Right. We don't really look at them as humans. That's a dad. Like my first thought was, I can't being a dad. I can't imagine that Oof. as as him. And I don't. I mean, I don't know where he was. Was he so scary? Was LeBron in L.A. at the time? Was he in Miami? Was he halfway? Across? Who knows where he was? I and, know. Go ahead. And to know that your son is in a health episode, and maybe, and I, I had, maybe he was in L.A. at the time. I have right, no right, idea. Yeah. I don't keep up with him that yeah. closely anymore. But just to help us feeling, following his calendar. Yeah. Oh, no. no. I, I took him yeah. off. Tweet alert! The day I left the Cavs beat. So two years ago, uh, okay, though. Yes. I know of a young man who played uh, basketball for Shaw High School two years ago, and he had suffered some cardiac arrest during the game. Ended up getting rushed to the hospital, and they under, they you know discovered an issue. That's something that you know my daughter is a young athlete, and I I know another young lady, 13, 14 years old at basketball practice had a heart condition. She passed away. Oh my god! You're starting to see this and hear this a lot with young athletes and this cardiac arrest. I know it's like when I heard it, you know, my father died of a heart attack. So anytime I hear anything like that, it just makes me uneasy. It makes me uncomfortable. And so I'm glad to know that he's okay. And I, I always think about my daughter. Everybody knows what my daughter wants to do for mm-hmm. a living. And it's like people who have that type of passion to pursue that type of career choice, I think they don't realize how necessary they are to actually want to save lives, to actually want to embed yourself and make all the sacrifices to put yourself in that field to save people like Bronny. Like, it's a scary thing, man. Like, life is short. And that's why you got to appreciate, like, each moment, each day. Because you be, you could be in great shape and drop dead just like that. Mm-hmm. So You could be in terrible shape and live for a long time, hopefully. Or maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, very true. Very, that, that's, that's very Let's true. Let's hope. Let's hope. You don't see, you don't see a lot of... Fat senior citizens. Uh, go ahead. 